0: I'm Jeff Bell at For Whom J. Bell Tolls.
1: And I am Christian Williams at C. Williams NFL, and this is the Debbie Royale.
0: I do this day in and day out. Oh. All night long. Yeah. This is all I think about. This is all I care about. Y'all all I care about. Let's go, man. It's here. We televised. So you know we got to show out. They told jump. So you know we got to put them to sleep. Yeah. yeah. Let's go, man. Let's go. go play. Let's go. We do this every day.
1: We work too hard. Day in day, like I told y'all. They'll do what we do. They'll do what we do. They never know what we did.
0: Welcome back to the Devi Royale. Unfortunately, our good friend and co-host, Kevin Coleman, could not be here tonight. Certainly follow him on Twitter at boys 22 but he is predisposed and he's not going to be here, but I am here and Christian's here and we are ready to dive into week six. So we are going to dive through. We're going to talk about our stars and our sleepers for this weekend's games. We're going to pick our games and... Before that, we are going to start out with some college football news. So first off, the big week that we were all waiting for was last week and and several great matchups. And the first matchup that we were all waiting for and we all kind of didn't see coming was Georgia taking out Arkansas. I think final score was maybe something like 36 to 14 I believe it was something I, I'm blanking on that final score but I know it was an embarrassment and Christian first what are your takeaways from this game
1: yeah so first it was 37 to nothing they didn't oh, okay. they didn't score mind. a point Never mind. <laughs> uh which is is much worse uh my biggest takeaway was that Georgia is the best team in the nation yes. uh I know and we'll, we'll talk about the the team that is ranked higher than them but you can't have that good of a defense and sit at two, and and that be reasonable. I think we're on a, we're, we're headed down a path where Alabama and Georgia are going to collide, and we probably get that twice this year, which is really really fun. Uh, and so, I'm I'm very excited to see what this Georgia offense is able to do. Uh, Arkansas was not able to stop Stetson Bennett; he threw 11 times uh, because they didn't need to have him throw they just ran the hell out of the football uh they had i believe over 200 yards rushing and it it was just an onslaught i mean it was just the most dominating performance of the college football season i think
0: yeah there's no question at that and I, i think it raises you know, I I watched the Maryland game. We'll get to that. But I kind of told you during that, it feels like it might be fraud weekend where some of these teams that we are excited about really step up the competition and kind of get exposed. And that's certainly what happened in this game. You look back at Arkansas's wins, the things that we were hanging our hats on, Is Texas really that good? Is Texas Tech to Texas A and M really that good? I believe Texas A and M got beat by Ole Miss this past weekend, or by Mississippi State this past weekend. So that puts a lot of luster off that win for Arkansas. And you know, we had some concerns coming into this game about KJ Jefferson if he would be able to move this offense. Clearly, he couldn't, and so that really. Kind of colors how you look at this Arkansas team moving forward. Certainly still playing Alabama, going to play Old Miss this weekend. I mean, this this is a team that we were on top of, and and you know, we got it kind of aggressive. I said I thought they should be the number three team in the nation. And now look at to look at it after this step up in competition, either there is a massive difference between Georgia and Alabama and the rest of college football which might be the case, or we were just over our skis a little bit in Arkansas. And Where do you land with that?
1: Well, here's the thing. I, I think we're definitely going to find out. Now, a lot of people have pointed out that Alabama and Georgia have also played tight football games against not great opponents. Uh, and the one for Georgia would be the the Clemson game, which we'll talk about Clemson here in a little bit as well. But I think it's the latter. I think it is that those two teams are so far and away better than everyone that they just embarrassed the top 10 team. And we'll talk about Bama in a second, but they did the same thing uh, to a very, very good football team. And so I think it is just the top two are that good and, and it's the rest of the field and the rest of the field doesn't matter. And really that's, par for the course you know (laughs) like that's that's what we've seen the last few years where it's one to two teams and the rest don't matter and that's you know people are going to use this season as a reason not to expand the playoffs and i think that that's probably a mistake because i think giving more teams chances is still good but it certainly looks like it doesn't matter and we should go back to the freaking bcs format and they should just play each other later in the year
0: yeah, you know, we're not going to go a whole show without me mentioning Ohio State, and and they do look to be rounding in form, and so you kind of wonder, I mean, certainly they have the loss to Oregon, and that colors everything, and, and Oklahoma is a team that's kind of survived, and we'll get to them as well, uh, but first, let's dive into the Alabama beating Ole Miss, you know, I think we were a little bit excited about this one expecting it to be a shootout, especially what we saw last year with Lane Kiffin going in there and putting 48 points on Alabama in a 63-48 bar and burner game. Matt Coral was a guy that we were had watching into this game, see what he could do. Ultimately, Alabama proved to be Alabama, winning 42-21. What are your key takeaways from the Alabama side and, and maybe going forward the Ole Miss side as well?
1: Yeah, at Alabama, I mean, Brian Robinson ran for 171 yards in this game, and we kind of, you know, we we hyped up the Ole Miss defense a little bit. Now, maybe not us, but a lot of smart people in the college football world said this Ole Miss defense is better than it was last year, and I think that's true. Uh, the problem is that they didn't have the recipe to to stop Alabama with what they wanted to do, and that was just pound the football. Bryce Young threw 26 times. He only threw for 241 yards. He did throw a pick in this game, uh, but it was the Brian Robinson show. And I think that Alabama, the, the reason that Alabama probably will remain number one for the rest of the year is they have so many different ways that they can beat you. This was a game where they didn't want it to be a shootout. Uh, they ran the hell out of the football, and they still scored 41 points and beat a, a one of the better teams in the nation. Not, I wouldn't say top five or anything like that but one of the better teams by 21 points. And so uh, on the Ole Miss side, I I think Corral was good. Um, I think there wasn't much that he could do. He was getting pressured very, very early and often, and he had to hit his dump offs, and he did a good job in taking care of the football. I don't know that it was a Heisman performance. I don't know that it was QB1 of the 2022 class performance worthy. But it was impressive to me because he was outmatched, his teammates were outmatched, and, and that was a problem for them. What did, what did you see out there?
0: So, I'll miss you know that you mentioned that defense, and Lane Kiffin is certainly he's still in the team build, building mode. And they brought in a bunch of transfers to try to short circuit that defense because it was so bad, and they are better. Um, but again, like you mentioned, Alabama's almost runs like an NFL team, like when the Patriots were up and running, where they could game plan specifically to beat you that week. And and being in college and being having the ability to do that is really what makes that program so difficult. You know, they they didn't want to get into a shootout. But again, you know it was there. It, it was one of those that they they scored 42, and they could have scored 63, 70 if they really wanted to in the game plan, and and that wasn't the game they wanted to play. Rightfully so, smartly so, because Nick Saban is a good football coach, and he's a pretty smart guy, and he does he knows more than football about football than you do, um, despite <laughs> what you want to say out on those Twitter streets. But um, diving into the next game, though, and one that I'm very excited about because this was a game that I called in the summer and I kind of had a good feeling about it. You know, I, I saw Notre Dame. We weren't quite sure how good Notre Dame was and now we feel pretty comfortable. We know how good Notre Dame is. And they were coming off the body count game against Wisconsin and Cincinnati took them down and Cincinnati that looked like, at one point it was 17 and nothing at one point, it seemed like it could be much more than 17 and nothing. It did get a little bit tighter before Desmond Ritter went down and scored a big touchdown to put the game away. But you know, Cincinnati is looking like they could potentially be, the first G five to crack the playoff field. And in this weird year that, you know, we've talked about, it seems like this year might be more COVID affected than even last year was because the holdovers and some of the other things that were going on. Do you think that they have what it takes to crack the field now that they've got this Notre Dame win in and is Notre Dame at the point where, I think the playoff dreams are pretty well dashed. I feel like it's going to be very hard to see a one loss Notre Dame without a conference championship gap that get back into it. But your key takeaways from this game,
1: I guess i will start on the Notre Dame side. We, we knew that they were frauds. Um, I picked them. So just, again, I talked about how fraudulent or how bad they were for weeks. And then I said, eh, I'm going to go against my belief. I'm going to stop doing that at some point. However, Uh, Notre Dame is their playoff dreams are are toast because they I mean, they played tight football games up until this game. So we kind of saw this coming or and specifically you saw it coming years ago, it feels like. But um, on the Cincinnati side, um, I I think the storyline here is Desmond Ritter has a chance to become the winningest college quarterback of all time uh, in terms of winning percentage. Just he's been there so long. And he's been at the helm for so long. And I I think that's uh, something to keep track of moving forward. He might get like with the Heisman race, the way it is too, with Bryce Young having a downish game, Matt Corral having a downish game. I think he might get like that honorary Heisman uh, where he's the winningest college quarterback of all time. And he's putting up really good stats in his final year. Uh, A lot of people are talking is Desmond Ritter, Legit. Is he a first rounder? Is he one of the top quarterbacks in 22? I don't know that this is the game to highlight (laughs) the things that he does. Well, he, he did a few good things. He missed a lot of throws. He he's kind of like a mixture of um, Baker Mayfield on Sunday and just air mailing throws. And then he'll just have a Justin Fields level throw where he hits a post route that just made no sense. Uh, he makes a lot of NFL throws. Good quarterback. I do believe that Cincinnati has the opportunity now to sneak in because, and we'll get to it. But the game of the week, I believe, is is going to be Penn State at Iowa. That's your three and your four seeds uh, or ranks. Uh, and so, they if Cincinnati wins this weekend, I think they are one hundred percent going to be in the top four. Now we know that the AP poll don't doesn't really matter. And we know that the college football playoff committee does wild things. Uh, They will not take in the AP poll into account when they're selecting. However, I think that this resume is really, really good on Cincinnati's part. And I think that we could see this happen. Are you in the same mindset? Do you think that they have a shot?
0: Well, I, I talked about it yesterday. If they want to be serious, if the AAC wants to be serious about cracking the playoff field and you know, if BYU wants to be serious about being considered because BYU, they're starting to sneak up a little bit and they have several big games left on their schedule. They're going to play USC. They they've got a couple more PAC 12 teams that they're going to play. So BYU could be in a potential discussion at the end of the day. If the AAC and BYU want to be serious, the AAC needs to seriously look at canceling their championship game and playing BYU against Cincinnati if both teams are undefeated that weekend. Cincinnati is going to play SMU. That's the only other team that's undefeated in the AAC right now. And that's the only other team that could really give them a run. But that's going to, that game's going to be done. And so I think this is a you would like to think this is enough because Notre Dame doesn't exactly have a murderer's row left on their schedule. And, and you kind of circle this game as if Notre Dame gets through this game and especially getting through the Wisconsin game next week, their primed position to end the season 12-0, and they'll be favored in most every game. Having that bullet point is something that we haven't seen out of a G5 team before. We haven't seen that G5 team that had the prestigious blue chip Notre Dame is that whether or not we think the talent's really there, they were in the college football playoff last year. And so they've made it the last a couple of the last few years. And so there's enough prestige there. Um, I would like to think, I think there's something like maybe six or seven teams still left that mathematically could end the season undefeated. It doesn't feel like the year that we're going to get that. And so if Cincinnati is able to run the table undefeated with that bullet point win over Notre Dame, Yeah, I think that they're going to get in. I think that the committee, you know, expansion is already on the horizon. They've already had those conversations. So they're going to be opening it up to more teams. And so it kind of seems like a catalyst towards as we're having that conversation, as we're looking to expand the playoff, let's allow the G5 in. They feel like they've got a seat at the table maybe that eases some of the negotiations on figuring out who's going to be eligible for the next one. If the G five feels like they actually can make it into a 14 playoff, as opposed to right now, that's not possible. Um, and then the other thing I want to touch on is Ritter projecting him to the NFL. I feel like I have a hard time figuring out the comp because he's going to play. There's going to be things that you like and, and people already rank him very high. And, and I like him because he will have played, like you mentioned, he will have played a lot of football. And I do believe that's important at a quarterback position to go in the NFL. He's athletic, too. He's got the frame that you want to see. The placement's never going to be there, I don't think. And so it's the type of thing where if he's played enough football and he is able to survive off the athleticism, do just enough, it's almost like a very poor man's Cam Newton type or like a very poor man's. Josh Allen type where he's like, he's not going to be that freak athlete, but he's athletic enough that he can kind of get by without being able to make the the placement throws. I can't imagine him being an actual long-term starting quarterback from what we've seen so far. And, and maybe the development gets there, but I, I think he's going to be on a roster and, and so people are probably going to he's going to get drafted. I i don't know if he can crack it into day two or if he's going to be one of those early Bryce Petty type fourth round guys that ends up kind of hanging around a roster. But do you see him where do you see him landing in the draft right now?
1: Right now, I, I you know, I'll have to revisit. I think right now I have a day three grade on him. Uh, just a fourth round. Very, very borderline. And he was one of those players that could go either way. The problem is that the inconsistencies that I saw last year, we've still seen this year. He has, and I don't know if it's mechanical or if it's not mechanical, and it's actually worse if it's not mechanical and he just misses throws. Uh, Mechanics you can fix. We saw it with Josh Allen. It rarely happens. Uh, However, there are so many pieces of technology that can help a quarterback if they have mechanics issues if it's not mechanical though, and he simply just does not have the placement then he's in trouble, then he's Deshaun Kaiser. Um, And so we've seen what Deshaun Kaiser has done in the league. He's, he's bounced around. He started for a great Browns team, one of my favorites. Uh, And so, yeah, I, I need to study more intensely. I I think I need to get some all 22 to really feel out where I think he'll go. But Based on athleticism alone, if if Kellen Mond can go on on day two, I think Desmond Ritter goes on day two because I think Desmond Ritter is a better quarterback prospect than Kellen Mond right now. I don't know if that's hot takey. Sorry.
0: No, I I mean, people love Kellen Mond's tools, but, you know, it's just hard to get there and you know Ritter's has been more successful than Mon Mon never broke through on a big stage and and this was Ritter played well against well enough to win the game against Georgia last year and you look at this Georgia team this year that's the other factor too that is that is deserving mention that potentially the playoff committee might look at and they, they don't traditionally, you know, it seems like traditionally we do a pretty good job of compartmentalizing college football. And maybe that's a detriment not to look at who's more how last year went. But I do think that Cincinnati and if Georgia runs the table and Georgia's sitting there undefeated and Georgia beats Alabama or if it's a very, very close game and Georgia's going to be in the field. I would have to think the committee would have to look back at last year and say, okay, this we're very comfortable and clear that Georgia is a playoff team. And this Cincinnati team went toe to toe with them, not even 12 months ago. And so that, that is an interesting factor that the other thing that did, that has to be considered. And that's, part of the reason why this resume is going to look very much different for Cincinnati than any other than UCF when they ran the table a couple of years ago. And so, um, and then the other big picture I wonder about is what happens with Luke fickle because you know, that USC job is sitting out there and he doesn't seem like he is a USC type job, but Luke fickle, you know, he's a good enough looking guy and he can have that polished edge a little bit and so that seems like the situation where maybe going to the Big 12 and him being an Ohio guy he kind of wants to thinks he can build but yeah, you know, we talked about it with Matt Campbell and it seems like now kind of the shine is starting to move off of Iowa state a little bit. And I know that the NFL was very interested in Matt Campbell. And I believe there might've been some rumors about Luke fickle in the NFL too. And so that's the other thing. And when you're building a program like this, it's you have to realize that Cincinnati is never going to be Alabama it, and there, but their reach is a, you'd have to think that these guys that while they want to build a program or want to leave a mark that you kind of get a team to the finish line for what that team can be. And so being a playoff team as Cincinnati, getting them into what is power five, whether or not that will still be considered power five, I tend to believe no. I wonder if that's enough in Luke fickles mind that he's done it and he's ready and he's going to move on to an NFL job or maybe the USC job, or if another, if, LSU opens up or something like that if he might be a guy do you expect that we are going to see him leaving Cincinnati very soon
1: you know I I think if he makes the playoff I think he's done everything he possibly can like you said at Cincinnati I think that's the end the end game is obviously a national championship it should be for every single uh, college football team for some teams, that's realistic. For Cincinnati, it's not. And just getting to the point where they have an opportunity, I think that's enough. I think, I think there's a reason that the NFL guys were interested in him last year, and he said, "No, I'm going to stay" because they should have won that game against Georgia last year. They absolutely should have, and, and they they kind of blew it. Um, and so I think it was kind of an unfinished business type of thing. But with all these opportunities, the Jacksonville job is going to open up, and. <laughs> No, I don't. I don't think he will take that one. But uh, USC, you've, you're going to have NFL coaching opportunities. I think that he will be uh, leading some short lists this off season, or you know, I, I wouldn't be shocked if he's already been in talks with uh, USC, just because that's how coaching searches go. So uh, yeah, I think if they make it, he's he's a goner. And really, I quick, believe.
0: I was going to say, I want to think that the USC AD came from Cincinnati. Uh, it's either the UCLA or USC AD came from Cincinnati, I think. So I think there's ties there already. All right. Good, Someone good is record. trying to buy Terry McLaurin off me in a Debbie league. They offered Slovis and a 22 first. I would not do that trade, Kyle. No, I this agree. is an you're bringing this question to an anti Keaton Slovis show. And I think that our take on stance on that is holding up very well. And so, no, that is not something that I would look to do. Um, I agree. Yeah. But now that we've touched on the pack 12, we are going to dive into the pack 12 because <laughs> those ducks went down. And so, you know, it, this was one that um, I, I even said it last week that this would be the game that decides our pick them last week. And so I was on Stanford. I, Wasn't quite that ready to go to upset territory, but getting eight points, I was comfortable making that pick. And it turns out Stanford topped Oregon. And so I know, I believe you're looking at in the primer, the PAC 12 playoff race, or maybe that's Kevin that's looking at that. But um, where do you come off of this Oregon team, this game? And where do you see their playoff chances stacking up now?
1: They're done. I mean, I, if a Pac-12 team was getting in, it was an undefeated Pac-12 team. Um, we we talked about it we, with UCLA earlier in the year when they were playing inspired football. We we talked about it a little bit with USC before they lost to this Stanford team that is just wrecking the entire Pac-12, and it's fun to watch. Uh, hey, I just I think they're done. They lost CJ Verdell, I believe, for the year. Is that correct, Jeff?
0: I don't know if it was for the year. It certainly looked like a bad injury. He went out on a cart. Um, Sewell got hurt as well. I don't, don't know where he stands. And Thibodeau's a guy that he's been in and out of the lineup. So it does kind of seem like while they do have the win over Ohio state, that they are not exactly kissed by destiny when it comes to injury right now.
1: No. And the problem will be when uh, Ohio state probably runs the table because that's what Ohio state does is they'll lose a, an early season game and then they'll run the table and get better as the season goes on. And then it won't matter because then Ohio State's making the college football playoff. Um, and and I'm sure we'll touch on that a little bit moving forward. But yeah, Oregon, I think they're done. They don't have the quarterback play to sustain any level of success past this. I like what Crystal done there. And I think that they should feel really, really good about where their program is. And I think they can win the Pac-12 this year still. However, I, I don't think... I never really thought that the Pac-12 was getting into the college football playoff. I just don't think that committee sees their wins as, as valuable as like big 10 or sec wins um, or, you know, play, teams that play Notre Dame. I think the, the committee will have some bias. They'll never say that they do, but they do. Uh, and so, yeah, I think they're done. Uh, it, it's unfortunate. I, I think next year uh when ty thompson takes over i I think that's an exciting team i think that's gonna preseason polls are gonna have them top 10 because the recruit recruiting class is just absurd this year too so
0: yeah i think it's there on pace for like three straight top 10 recruiting classes or maybe even better than that it could bring an interesting data point if Ohio state runs the table and they are sitting there with one loss. And if Oregon to, were to run the table, sitting there with one loss, because obviously you have the head to head matchup, but the potential exists where, you know, if Iowa is a 11 and one 12 and O type team, when Ohio state beats them, if Penn state ends the season at 10 and two, if Michigan's sitting at 11 and one, you're going to have an Oregon team that has a head to head win Albeit, I think that it's fair to question some of the circumstances that happened in the fourth quarter of that game for the, <laughs> being a one-score game. Um, but at the same time, you, you would be looking at an Ohio State team that hypothetically would be you'd feel comfortable as a much better team than what showed up week two, having several potential we, top ten wins versus an Oregon team that, yes, beat Ohio State head-to-head, but their second-best win would be eight and four arizona state or whatever it might be and so it does kind of raise a potential but this oregon team doesn't make you feel like they're going to run the table and and so that's probably much a moot point but something to talk about in early october moving on again the big 10 so iowa was a game that we thought maybe there was a little bit of upset alert on a friday night game heading into maryland Early, it looked like this might be a pretty competitive game, and then an unfortunate injury to Dimas from Maryland wide receiver on the kick return. He resulted in a fumble that Iowa scored a touchdown on, and really just that second quarter, things got out of hand. Iowa was able to put it on Maryland, and Iowa spent themselves as a top-four team right now going into the matchup with Penn State. What is your takeaway about this Iowa team and beating this Maryland team is this Maryland team. Another example of a team that they were able to score when potentially with two NFL wide receiver talent. Now one of those is going to be gone. Now they're going into the Hornets nest and they've got Ohio state coming up this week. And so where do you stand coming out of this game?
1: Yeah. That, I mean that, that kills Maryland. Um, I, I think they're in trouble just, I mean, no matter what uh, they, they were again, Kind of similar to Oregon, probably a worse off program, Um, but a lot of good pieces and a lot of things to be excited about. The Iowa side, though, I don't know what to make of this team because uh, I was under the impression that they wanted to run the ball, and they did, but they also were able to air it out with Spencer Petras, and I think that's significant, and I think that is going to play a role in this weekend's game against Penn State. I think that if they're able to spread it out and throw the football – they have a good shot to beat Penn state this weekend. And I don't know the line off the top of my head, but I would assume that they're home favorites. Uh, Goodson was good again, as usual Uh, 19 carries, 66 yards, not stellar, but then he added two receptions for 85 yards and a touchdown. Like this kid is an NFL back. And I think that's significant. I think I was as real as they've been in recent memory and I think that they could be uh, on a collision course as well with, you know, we, I said Ohio State's probably going to run the table, and th- they probably will, but the Big Ten has some dogs, and and Iowa is definitely one of them. Maryland will be next year. Probably.
0: Yeah, I, I agree with that, and Iowa, it just – Iowa seems to have cycles where they every three or four years the stars align and they have an 11 or 1, 12 and 0 type team. And it certainly feels like everything has aligned for that to be the case. They are a two and a half point favorite currently on our line going into the Penn State game. And so it's going to be interesting because their defense has proven the ability to force turnovers, but so has Penn State. And so we'll get to that game a little bit later, but it was. It was scary what they were able to do to Maryland. And again, this, this triggered in my mind, the fraud Saturday. And if I lived in a state that allowed to wager, once we got to that Ole Miss Alabama game, I would have put heavy money on Alabama because I had a feeling that we're, this is what we're going to see out of Saturday. Um, But moving, bouncing back to the sec again, uh, the coach. Oh, he's got a, feel like he's on a hot seat after losing to Auburn last week. Not that drops them to, I believe it's three and two now, and they are coming up on playing Kentucky, Florida, Old Miss, Alabama, and Arkansas all in a row, a five game murderers row stretch coming off and already a Auburn loss. And we've talked about this in the preseason, looking forward to the schedule and seeing that Ole Miss would have this going on do you think that old coach O is going to survive this and continue to be the LSU coach? Or do you see that job opening up?
1: You know, I would like to say that they're going to give him a pass because Miles Brennan got hurt and that was their quarterback. And so they've been playing their backup quarterback, which by all accounts, Max Johnson has been good. Uh, He, a lot of people are saying he has a legit NFL potential. I don't really see it just yet, but I think there's a world where they give him a pass for that. However, he should have started this season on the hot seat for everything that came down last year. Uh, and I think that he's done nothing to dispel that, that concern. And so I believe that he'll make it through the season and then they'll part ways after the the last game. I, I kind of think that they are going to lose a few of these games Uh, And by a few, I mean, potentially all of them. I think they could sneak one out. Uh, They could play spoiler a little bit because that's all they are at this point at three and two. They don't have too much upside moving forward. Players pretty good. Uh, Kayshawn Boutte, the best wide receiver in the nation right now. Um, A lot of people are saying, yeah, he'd be my wide receiver one in the 22 class and he's just a sophomore. Um, And so, yeah. Yeah, I think I agree with that as well. He, he's a stud. He's a Jamar Chase-level prospect, and that's what we can take from the LSU team this year, I think, is just give us Boutte on a silver platter, keep him healthy. Kojo, you can move on, and that offense is kind of outdated. We, we've we known that for a while. Burrow made it work, uh, and the stars aligned for Kojo. Coach Kojo Coach wasn't really the main reason they won that national championship and we know that and i think the the people in charge over there also know that so yeah i think it's it's time to say goodbye i don't know where his next stop will be probably hawaii and he's just going to be retired at that point so yeah
0: yeah it was it certainly felt like serendipity for them to sneak out that national title um that is that is one that i will go to my grave um upset about how that played out just because Uh, especially seeing how things quickly fell apart under him. Certainly I'm not going to dispute that LSU team was incredibly talented. They sent enough players to the NFL and they're sent impact players to the NFL, but um, the way that the wheels have completely fallen off at LSU. And, And so while he was a guy that he's beloved down there, it's going to be interesting because this Kentucky team is a real team. And so they've got them coming up this week and Kentucky is coming off a win against Florida. If there's not a letdown of overlooking this team, man, if they don't get past that Kentucky team, you're going Florida, you're following that up with old miss, then Alabama, and then a potential body count game against your rival, Arkansas, Golly, you feel like if they go three and two for the stretch, it's a great run. And then they're sitting at six and four on the season. And you know, in an eight and four LSU that's lost several big games. Is that what that program really wants with all these rumors and whatever else that were swirling about some of the behavior from coach O following that national championship season. Um, yeah. You know, and I mentioned soft spots and sore spots and things that I would take to my grave. And and there's a little bit of comeuppance going on now down in the other Death Valley with Clemson being unranked for the first time in several seasons they survived against Boston college. And this is something that we've talked about on the show already, but um, the the Boston college, they they shouldn't have survived. And with Phil Yurkovich at quarterback, if they would have really survived is definitely an open question. Um, Anything you want to touch on in Clemson before we move on and and look at the big games for this week.
1: The only thing is uh, Uyonglele has a lot of work to do Um, a lot. And I think, I think we got excited because he was able to step in and do so, so well in Trevor Lawrence's COVID absence last year. And we kind of overlooked some of the mechanical flaws. Well, I did specifically, I guess I shouldn't speak for everyone, but he was ranked as a, for some, the top quarterback in his class. He's not even close. I, I mean, I don't even know who I would put at QE2 for that class just yet, but it's not him. I know that. And that. State of that program, not very good right now either. It's just they lost a lot of athletes. They don't have an offensive line, and they don't – they have a young offensive line, and I think that eventually it will get better, but that offensive scheme has always been bad, and I think we're seeing that now that they might not have someone that's generational.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I I think that they – the one saving grace on them is there's not that – it feels like – you know, dynasties, if you want to call them a dynasty, they they even got to being a dynasty are cyclical because usually there's that up and coming team that knocks them off. And I look at the ACC and there's just not, I I just don't trust Mac Brown to get it figured out in North Carolina. And that feels like maybe the team that could potentially do it um, without the other team coming up on their heels, without a Miami, without a Florida state. Now the wild card that's laying out there is potential expansion and potential conference realignment. And if they were to find themselves in a situation where they end up within Ohio state or Penn state or Notre Dame in there with them, then I feel like things could get real interesting for old Dabo, but um, absent that absent a team, that's really going to come in, push them, knock them off you'd have to think Clemson and we'll get it figured out and turn back into being Clemson for the next couple of years. But um, we, we also have seen instances where the coaches just lose the program and the magic is gone. And usually there's an accompanying NCAA investigation that comes with it. And the coach bounces off to the NFL. And (laughs) I, after all the trouble that the latest college coach to the NFL has brought i don't know that davo is a guy that nfl teams might be loading up to go get but you never know about (laughs) a team like the falcons or somebody deciding like hey let's go get this guy but um it's it'll be interesting to monitor but again absent major conference realignment there's just not anybody that's going to turn it from being a one or two year blip and we'll be back to clemson being back in the college football playoff but now that we have touched on last week's news and notes we can look forward to the next week and so diving into some games of the week and the first game that'll be on tap would be the red river rivalry with oklahoma taking on texas and oklahoma is favored by three and a half points in this game how do you see this game breaking down because oklahoma again is another team that they, God, it feels like Oklahoma has lost two or three times this year already. And but they're undefeated, and they survived another game against Kansas State. Texas is coming into this game. Texas has played them tough the last couple of years, but there's open questions about how good this Texas team really is. They had a five point win against TCU in a game that we saw um, TCU star wide receiver I'm blanking on his name get hurt. It seemed like a lot of people got hurt last weekend. But where do you land? Just before we make our pick on the Oklahoma and Texas matchup.
1: You know, this feels like a game that I would doubt what Oklahoma is going to do. And then this is the game that Spencer Rattler puts it together or something like that. Um, Now Spencer Rattler last week had only three incompletions. The problem, one of them was an interception and we know that he's just not taking care of the football very well. Caleb Williams did log a pass attempt in this game. Uh, I know the fans were calling for him. I don't think they were calling for him to come in and throw one pass, but uh, Rattler looked better last week. And I I will say, I think maybe he's turned a corner, but we also thought he turned a corner at the end of last year. And then he's been bad to start this year. So if Rattler is able to put it all together, take care of the football, and I think Oklahoma does win this game. However, like you mentioned, Texas plays them tough. Texas is a good football team. They're not, great by any means but i would argue that neither is oklahoma and they're probably overranked just based on how close their games have been and so yeah it, it's it's gonna be a fun one i'm excited to watch it this is a neutral site right
0: it is they play at the texas state fair in um i don't think it's maybe it's dallas but it's the, yeah the texas state fair they play the same place every year and so they play in the cotton Bowl. um yeah so Yes. Cause they split it. It's one of the, it's great pageantry. It's one of the most obviously one of the most iconic rivalry games in college football. And they do a great job splitting the stadium burnt orange on one side and the crimson and cream on the other side. Okay. I can see the argument that Oklahoma puts it together in this game, but personally, I feel like I've been buying the argument that Oklahoma is going to put it together for the last month and a half and they haven't done it yet. Rattler looked better but i do think it was kind of what we saw at the end of last year where he just didn't take any risk and maybe they didn't think they needed to against kansas state and it's it's an open question that if texas we know texas can score we know that texas should be able to score and certainly this oklahoma defense has been better than what we've seen the last couple years to come to expect out of oklahoma defense but this does feel like a prime candidate for Bijan Robinson's real national coming out party, because while us in the Devi space and, and everybody surrounding fantasy football knows him really well, it doesn't feel like he's quite arrived on the national college football scene yet to be a potential, all the conversation about household name, if he's going to be a household name yet. And so this is his best opportunity to really get there. He had a huge game against TCU, and we all know he's very good. I don't know, you know, being rivalry game, Bijan breaking out, you know, we, we it could be a little bit interesting. But um, before we make our pick, let's we skirted around probably the real big game this week. But we've got Penn State, and they're going to iowa and iowa is a two and a half point favorite Iowa's coming off the impressive victory last week against maryland penn state's already won some big games they took down wisconsin they beat auburn where do you see this one landing how do you think that this one's going to be decided
1: i wrote about this on the primer this week this was the one i had and i'll tell you what i was at a loss for words because i think this is a grinded out big 10 defensive football game and i think that both of these teams match up almost identically with each other. You've got players that can make big plays on one side of the football. Uh, You've got good rushing attacks on both both teams, and you've got really good defenses that get after the football. And so this, I think, is probably going to be the hardest. I still don't know who I'm picking for this game. I like to think ahead sometimes, and I have no idea. And so I think that's how the bets are going to line up this week, too. I I think it's going to be pretty 50-50 down the middle. It's going to be, in my opinion, the best football game of the college football season thus far. When you get three versus four, when it's not an Alabama or Georgia playing the other team, it's always a good football game. So uh, I'm curious to see if uh, Spencer Petras can keep that up and and really move the football against a good Penn State defense.
0: Yeah, I think this really comes down to Petras against Sean Clifford and not so much who plays better but who plays less worse because it just kind of feels like whoever doesn't lose the game for their team going against these other defenses, it, it certainly feels like this is going to be a low-scoring defensive battle that gets decided on a key turnover. Um, it, I'm excited for this game, but but it's it's a continuation of a three theme that we've just seen all year long, and it's just the year of defense, and it's almost the juxtaposition because if there's one... <laughs> we said it last week and we got burnt on it because we kind of expected if there were to be one offensive game this year, it'd be Alabama against old miss. It does kind of feel like, Oklahoma, Texas has the potential to be a potential shootout, but this game is going to be the exact opposite. This is going to be just a classic big 10 slobber knocker, as they say. And it's, it's going to be exciting. It's going to be fun to see these guys line up because you know, they're going to bring it and they're going to be hitting each other. So I'm excited at where I land again, I I can feel you because it does feel like which quarterback is going to be less bad. And this might be a situation where, three and a half points on the road on the home team. Uh, Points are nice, but it's the home team. So I'm looking forward to it, and we'll get to that pick. But one more. Unfortunately, as we mentioned, Kevin couldn't be here. Our hearts are with Kevin. Kevin is, unfortunately, teaching the youth of America and meeting, (laughs) doing meetings about teaching the youth of America. And we slid this game in just for Kevin when we were putting the show sheet together. But he's not going to be here. But the last game that we want to look at is... Michigan going up and going to Nebraska. And so Nebraska, you know, they they were disappointing uh, to begin the season, but they do seem to have some things figured out. They lost a close overtime game to Michigan State two weeks ago before absolutely putting it on Northwestern last weekend. Michigan, we've been a little bit worried about. Maybe they get knocked off. They played Wisconsin last weekend, and they took care of business pretty handedly. They were a lot closer to a Rutgers team that – Ohio State absolutely destroyed. And that might have been a situation where Rutgers is coming off a difficult Michigan game. Or, you know, maybe that tells us a little bit about where Michigan really stands in relation to some of these other teams in the Big Ten. But where do you see this game ending up?
1: It's a tough one for Michigan. And I didn't think that I'd be saying that five weeks ago after Adrian Martinez looked like he was pooping his pants every time he took a snap. uh, He doesn't look like that now. And, and I think that mixed with Scott Frost kind of getting his crap together, Uh, that that team is actually disciplined now, which is a good thing. However, Michigan's got a lot of talent and, and I think we've been worried about Michigan because we know what the Harbaugh era has been but I don't know that it's necessarily warranted this year. They've got pieces on both sides of the football. And I know we can say that every year, Uh, but something seems to be clicking for them. And I I think they're legit. I think it's going to be a tough game though. Another, another big 10 matchup where you just, if one thing goes wrong, that's what decides games in the big 10 because most of them are tight. So I'm, I won't spoil my pick just yet, but how do you, how do you see this playing out?
0: Well, I think it's going to be one, it's it's interesting that something that I've been mulling over. It does kind of seem like the death of the primetime college football game has happened. It it just you know, we open the season with Georgia and Clemson, but other than that, between Fox having the big noon and CBS the 330 big SEC game. It does kind of feel like primetime's a little bit over, and and this will be the I think this is the ABC primetime game, and so the uniforms will look nice. Um, I do think that this could be the national coming out party for Aiden Hutchinson on Michigan. That It just seems like this would be prime example for him to just blow this game up because record or Nebraska is a team that what they want to do should play into what he can destroy. And so I think it, you know, you're the draft guy. Have you started looking at where Hutchinson is lining up in terms of the draft?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I have. Um, Everyone's been tweeting about him today specifically and, uh, and most, uh, almost every week. And I heading into the season, I was a little lower on him. That's gone. Uh, He has taken a step forward And he's a first round player and he's probably going to grade out better than Quiddy pay did for me. And so you think about where Quiddy pay was drafted. I think we could be looking at a top 10 selection, especially in a weak offensive draft. And I think that's exciting. I think you could be right. This could definitely be his coming out party.
0: Okay. So we, as is ritual on the show, when we are down a member, we don't party without all our members. So we're not going to play our games this week, but it is important for posterity's sake that I think the highlight, the thing that we all, at least the thing that I enjoy out of the show is doing our sports book rundown. And so Christian he leads us off and runs it through it. And we're not going to play all our games, but we're going to make our picks anyways.
1: Yep. Yes, we are. And so an update on the sportsbook rundown. I had a rough week again, as usual, Uh, not as bad as it could have been. Um, you won last week. Are these numbers? Yeah, yeah, Kevin updated. Yes, Kevin had a rough week. Uh, so Jeff, you 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 won again as usual. Uh, you went four and three, I went three and four, so not bad. And unfortunately, Kevin went one and six. So I'm closing the gap on Kevin, and you are just far and away ahead of us right now, which um, makes me you're going first tonight, and I'm just picking everything that you pick uh kevin did give us his pick so that's the exciting part here uh and the first game that we are going to pick this week is oklahoma as we said three and a half point uh technically road favorites at texas but this is a neutral site uh kevin did select oklahoma and said rattler sucks but i don't know so that's pretty much how i make my picks too kevin shout out you jeff you're next who you taking in this game
0: I'm going to... I hinted at it, but we're going to ride the Bijan P- Robinson coming out party. I'm going to take Texas, give me three and a half points in a rivalry game, so that's my pick.
1: Uh, I get a little concerned. I mean, Casey Thompson... It, I saw a tweet, and it, I just I resonated with it, and it said, Casey Thompson is not it, and he's not. And I don't think Hudson Card is, either. I think Oklahoma is going to be able to pressure him enough and also... Uh, just contain Bajan if Bajan breaks a few I think I'm probably wrong and this is gonna be where you beat us as usual we always have that one game but I am gonna take Oklahoma in this game um, next game Georgia 14 and a half point favorites at Auburn Kevin selected Georgia uh, and <laughs> and that is, that is all for this one uh, I will go next and I am also going to take Georgia. I think that every game that Georgia plays, I don't care about the points at this point. I do believe they are the best team in the nation. And so I'm taking Georgia in this one as well. What about you?
0: Yeah, I, I'm landing on Georgia too. I th- I feel like we galaxy brained the 18 and a half points last week a little bit. And I think Georgia just curb stomps Auburn. So despite this being a rivalry game, it's just, I don't know. I'm not buying it on Auburn. I, I think that, you know, if they lost to Penn state by, I believe it was 10 points, they lost to Penn state or it might've been even 14. They're going to lose to Georgia by more than 14 and a half.
1: I agree there. Uh, next game, Penn state at Iowa, uh, as we said, Iowa is two and a half point favorites at home. Kevin took Iowa again. That is all for the big <laughs> commentary on that one. Uh, uh jeff you're next who are you taking
0: i'm gonna take penn state i'm gonna take the two and a half points i think that this is going to be a defensive battle so um you'll give me the nittany lions to go into iowa city and if this game were a night game i feel like i'd feel maybe a little bit different because i know that things can get a little bit frisky in uh, kinnick at night but i'm gonna go with penn state ends this magic run by iowa
1: yeah, <clears throat> that's where I'm landing to uh, Spencer Petras. Again, what he did last week was good, but as you mentioned, it's it might come down to which quarterback is uh, less bad. And I think, I, I think that's going to be Sean Clifford is going to be able to kind of propel them to a win. Jahan Dotson, I think, gets behind this defense a little bit. So I'm going to take Penn State. Next game, Arkansas at Ole Miss. Ole Miss six and a half point home favorites in this one. Uh following the arc. Well, they both kind of got crapped all over. And so it's interesting to see which team bounces back in a big way. Kevin thinks it will be Ole Miss. Matt Corral QB1 is what he wanted to say there. So I will go next. Uh just to to continue rotating. I think if Matt Corral was able to care of the football against alabama i think he can against arkansas and i think that's what matters is taking care of the football they still have a good defense you wouldn't have guessed it last week but i'll take ole miss in this game
0: yeah i'm landing on ole miss too i think it's the situation where you know i think they were certainly excited to take on alabama and maybe they thought they could upset them but they i feel like they probably went into that game with pretty realistic expectations whereas i feel like arkansas being the level of program that they are, I feel like, you know, having knowing that you're going to go against George's backup quarterback and then having what happened happened, um, it just feels like one of those that there's going to be a lingering after effect. And if Matt Coral can come out and really hang it on them quickly, I just don't see how KJ Jefferson is able to keep up in this game.
1: Yeah, I agree there. Next game, LSU at Kentucky. Kentucky is three-point home favorites. Kevin chose Kentucky and said, I have no idea. Uh, and I think that's a pretty good assessment of this game. Jeff, you are up next. Who are you taking?
0: I'm going to go opposite. I'm going to take LSU. And so I think Kentucky is coming off a very emotional win against Florida. Florida. And yeah, I really like what Mark Stoops is doing there. I like the pieces. I like Will Levis. I like Wandale Robinson, but it just feels like one of those that um, LSU just gets them because we see this in college football happen where you're riding the high and you come in and, and you're just riding a little bit of a too high. And so LSU bounces back against after the Auburn loss and knocks them off.
1: Yeah. You made a compelling argument there. Yeah. Um, I, I talked about, what was the, the letdown game that I talked about a few weeks ago? It doesn't matter. Um, but I believe in letdown games. I think those are a very, very real thing. I'm still going to take Kentucky here because, as we mentioned, the LSU program is kind of in limbo. Uh, wheels are kind of off, and I'll take Kentucky to keep it going for another week.
0: So this is that's this week's Christian knows he should take the other team, but still talks himself into taking the wrong one. So yep. if you're if you're checking your bingo card out there, that's that game. So yeah. Michigan, you lead into the next one.
1: Yeah, Michigan three point favorites going to Nebraska. Kevin picked Michigan surprisingly. Uh, he did say that this is a trap game, so I don't think he's very confident in his pick there. I will go next. I'm taking Michigan. I think that they are the better team. I think Scott Frost has turned that team around, but I don't think it matters. Like we talked about, Aiden Hutch- Hutchinson should be dominant, and I think that's going to scare Adrian Martinez. He, he gets spooked easily, so uh, I am going to take Michigan. Jeff, where are you, landing?
0: I'm landing on Michigan too. the next time we see Scott Frost win a big game at Nebraska will be the first time we see Scott Frost win a big game at Nebraska and Michigan. It just what feels like they've got some things figured out and they're not ready to lose yet.
1: Yeah, I hear that. All right. Last game that we have here, Stanford at Arizona state, Arizona state is 10 and a half point home favorites. Kevin picked Stanford and said, I guess, I don't know. I hate betting. I feel you. I feel you, um, Jeff. You're going next. I'm sorry. I need to. I need you to decide for me here. God, this
0: feels like a weird game, man. Ten and a half points, really. <laughs> but, you know, this is, this kind of feels like a similar situation to the Kentucky game where Stanford's coming off that big upset and they just kind of come out flat in Arizona State. <laughs> I don't Arizona state's not what we were hoping at the beginning of the season, but you know, Jaden Daniels gets it cooking. They still have the potential to put up some points and um, 10 and a half is a big number, but I'm going to go with Arizona state.
1: Yeah. I mean, we already saw the letdown game from Stanford after they beat USC. So they have two ranked wins this year. Uh, Tanner McKee is playing out of his mind right now. He very efficient quarterback. And he had some wheels last week, even with that brace. Uh, So if we've seen the letdown already, this is my my line of thinking. If we've seen it already, maybe they learn from it. And I think they cover. I think they lose this football game, but I think they cover. And so I'm going to take Stanford as well. Uh, Jeff, you have the potential to just blow this uh, wide open with some of these picks. I am aligned with Kevin and history says i shouldn't be um we should both align with you but uh you might end up with like a 20 game lead after this which is not ideal so that'll do it for what's up i
0: said i don't know that's mathematically possible but um i can certainly push it a little bit or you know this is They're what close. you guys needed to bring it back close. And maybe this is just me taking a week so that we can make some more interesting content going forward.
1: Yeah, that could, that could definitely be it. <laughs> All okay, right. So
0: so normally we'd play our other two games to clear a winner, but without Kevin being here, that just doesn't feel right. And so a little bit of FaceTime. Christian, do you have any messages that you'd like to share and, and have a 30-second FaceTime?
1: Um, no, I, my main message this week is that the NFL needs to fix their all 22 on their game pass. I finally got it to work and I was super excited to watch some football with the coaches film and it is very, very glitchy and it doesn't really work. And I don't know what kind of product we're putting out here, uh, but the NFL and college football and and then CAA need to get together and they need to say, okay, we're going to work on red zone things together. And we're just going to make all 22 widely available uh, so that people like us can produce content. I would love to start writing some Debbie watch articles with small 22. And I, I have a little bit and I do have those in store, but um, just a little, uh, I'm upset at the NFL. And so that's why we talk about college football on this, this podcast uh, because, we're mad at the NFL over here. So yeah, that's all. I,
0: yeah. I I just wanted to take a minute to um, address. I, I know that we recently unfortunate events have hit the fantasy football community. And um, I think that I know personally, I can say that I'm feeling, and I think that there are a lot of others that are feeling we're just feeling deflated right now. And I think the excitement that when the season hits, um, to have what happened, unfortunately, with uh, Mike Tagliere, uh, hit the community. It it's just all the air out of the bubble. And and I've talked to some people recently around the community, and I've seen tweets and people talk about the close knitness during the pandemic and how everybody kind of pulled together, and and then how toxic the space has been and, and if, if everybody's talking about how toxic the space is currently then why are we making it toxic um and you know it's all up to all of us and all the interactions that we're gonna have and i, I think that many of us are searching for answers right now um what what is going on and and what is what's the grand purpose <laughs> to to things and, and you know life feels so fragile Right now, I think for many of us. And it feels like maybe we're kind of at the space that brought people together during the pandemic, but we're not um, it, just because of these events. And certainly my heart goes out to all the friends and family. And it's not really my place to say many more words on that event, but um, it's just one of those that be the change that you want to see, because, you know, if, if you're upset with it being toxic, then don't be toxic. Um And you just, let's be kinder to each other. Let's, let's try to pull together a little bit. And maybe we can try to find some inspiration in each other. We can try to find in some inspiration in other areas because it's, it is a struggle right now. And I know personally I'm feeling it. I know others are feeling it too. And what we're doing, while it doesn't feel like we're putting out world-changing content we are helping people and that's really what we're doing fantasy football is something that brings people together it's a reason that i've got friends that you know i went to college with them 20 years ago and i wouldn't talk to them much without fantasy football and i think that everybody can relate to that and so what we're doing in the space is we're trying to help people Bridge those gaps, and if we're creating those gaps within ourselves and within everybody, then stop. I mean, <laughs> and, and you know, let's let's do it. Let's knock this out. Let's enjoy football. We love football, and let's just move forward and and try to be kinder and make it a little bit yeah. of a, a better space. And and so next week we will be back in full force. Kevin will be back on October twelfth at nine thirty. Until then. I am Jeff Ballett for Whom J Bell Tolls.
1: And I am Christian Williams at C Williams NFL. And this is the Debbie Royale.